2: What is going on, everyone? It is time for another edition of Strictly Business, presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and at freeshows.com. I, of course, am John Alba. Now, normally, every single week here on the podcast, I'm joined by the man I refer to as the man of the hour, Mr. Eric Bischoff. But unfortunately, Eric had some technical difficulties this week, just as we were about to record. We wanted to get you something new and fresh, but unfortunately, the powers that be... Uh, just will not let us, but I promise you next week we will be back with a very, very, very cool concept. We're going to take a look at the breakdowns for AW Dynamite and some WWE programming, and we're going to take a deep dive into what makes the structure of a great professional wrestling program. And Eric Bischoff has so many years of experience in that area. It's going to be a great episode. That's going to be coming to you next week on 83 Weeks, wherever you get your podcast, or at 83weeks.com. So make sure you're subscribed to the 83 Weeks feed because it drops right there. We try to aim for every single Thursday. Again, this week, unfortunately, technology did not work in our favor. But we're doing the best of the business here on Strictly Business because... I, I get yeah. it. We've blitzed you with some great content over the course of the last few months. And we want to give you some of that right now if you got to catch up and take some time because we've had some great guests. And one of those guests in particular was Isaac Riston. This man's been nominated for Grammys up the wazoo, including a recent Grammy win. So, congratulations to Isaac, an ad free shows member, a former guest on the show. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we had Isaac on to discuss the incorporation of music into professional wrestling. Now, I'm a music buff, so I love talking to Isaac, but he really broke down the importance of having music ingrained in your professional wrestling program and then also some of the logistics that come with actually going out and trying to procure music for wrestling programs. So without further ado, let's take a look back at that episode as we welcomed on Isaac Riston. When
3: we talked on the phone the very first time, you told me that you're now this. Now, we're talking for those of you that perhaps just joined us, we're talking to Isaac Riston. He's a Grammy, a warm winning, nine times nominated multi yeah. platinum studio musician. You've had a tremendous amount of success, and you were just recently nominated again, yep. correct?
1: Yep, Related? yes,
3: sir. But his, but Isaac's dream job, forget about all the success that he's having now, his dream job is to be the next version of Jim Johnson. That's yeah,
1: that's, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, that's one thing. And I think there's a better way to do it, too. Um, there is a, a, a unique opportunity that professional wrestlers can have. If you look at Chris Jericho, I would love to know how much either TBS or TNT or whoever Turner is paying to use Judas every week all the way until the chorus even. And then it's, it's, the, it's the chorus of people when the song, when they finally fade it down and you hear the crowd singing Judas. That, what, a, what a great move. What if every wrestler could have that opportunity? What if we could create you a song and not only do you get to use it, we allow the licensing to kind of flow through whatever medium that you're on, whatever network you're on but you also get a percentage of publishing and you might even get a percentage of the master Ooh. that would be a, a, a real big game changer in that industry, not only for, pre- for professional wrestlers, but for any athlete, anybody that's, that's using a, 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 a you know, a licensed uh, music, all music needs to be licensed anyway. Why not own a little
3: bit of it? Well, that, you know, I think WWE has done that, you know, for, a, for a long time. And I know Jimmy Hart, when Jimmy worked for me, um, and unfortunately, I wasn't, I just wasn't that knowledgeable of the, the revenue model for music. It was just, it was very hard to follow for me uh, because I never really looked into it closely enough to understand it. But Jimmy Hart was big on that. You know, he really believed in trying to create that music so you could know. And I, I know Hulk Hogan owns a lot of, you know, music that, that he originally did. And he gets paid on publishing. And I'm sure Chris Jericho, because I know his manager, Barry Bloom, I would be shocked if Chris Jericho is not receiving bonzo size checks from the publishing of Judas, because it's getting used all over the world, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty wild.
2: Well, I just want to say this, and and I'm curious how you react to this, Isaac uh, Eric. You mentioned indies and everything. I had a conversation recently with someone very high up in the WWE recruiting process from indie talent about coming into NXT, and he said one thing they look for in a lot of independent wrestling talent. Uh, is whether or not they're using copyrighted music or if they have their own theme custom made for themselves because it's so accessible now where there are so many creators of this stuff. Uh, As someone who makes music and produces this at a wide scale, uh, why would it be worth an investment for someone to carve out that identity for themselves as they try to make it?
1: You own more of your IP. You know, uh, I think it doesn't need to, uh, there was a lawsuit recently over, uh, tattoos by, a, 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 an artist and those tattoos were seen in a WWE video game. Randy Orton. Exactly. And, and wow, look, like, it, it's your body. It's your gimmick. You know, it's your persona. It's your livelihood. Um, if you're using copyrighted music or, or if you're using somebody who says copyright free, that's a joke. Don't even try to go down that rabbit hole. Don't try to use uh, copyright free music. It's stay away from it. But if you can own more of your intellectual property and that you can have ownership and get paid for in the future, why would you not do that? The same thing with your gear. I see people designing gear all the time. Do you not think about a provisional patent for that type of, of structured garment? You can do that. Um, the same thing with your music, your name, the way you wear your hair, your tattoos, you can own all of
2: that. Outstanding stuff, Isaac. This is really fantastic conversation. Uh, where can people find you if they wish to get in contact with you or see more of your work? Yeah, yeah where Instagram- do we tell
3: Bruce Pritchard? How, how does Bruce Pritchard at WWE get all, do you know? <laughs>
2: oh, man, I'll, I'll let you know.
1: Uh, Instagram, Isaac Riston, Twitter, Isaac Riston or IsaacRiston.com.
2: Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for being part of this episode of Strictly Business and forming that connection there with eric i thought this was just outstanding and uh we'll we'll definitely have to get you back down the line because there's more on this bone to pick at but we appreciate you isaac and we appreciate all of you guys tuning into this edition of strictly business spread the word we're public now baby we're in front of that paywall all you gotta do is check us out every single thursday and uh on behalf of eric we are genuinely so appreciative of all of you and we'll see you next week right here on strictly business Great stuff there from Isaac. And once again, congratulations to him. Uh, He is absolutely killing it right now in the music industry. This guy's got more than two decades of experience working with some of the biggest artists in the world. And you heard him right here on Strictly Business. Again, if you're not subscribed to Strictly Business already, why haven't you? Make sure that you just search 83 Weeks wherever you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button and Strictly Business will drop every single week, including right there on the 83 Weeks YouTube as well. And if you have been following strictly business, you know that we have been all over this potential WWE sale news. Uh, Nick Khan this past week just even said that he expects if a deal gets done, it's going to get done within three months. I've been saying, I said it on this podcast, in fact, that I suspect that they'll do this big WrestleMania rollout where we hear the news WrestleMania weekend if it happens because they want to steal the show. Well, this is something that Eric and I have been literally all. Over And we actually had a few weeks back Raj Geary, who's been involved with Wrestling Inc. for years. He was the owner of Wrestling Inc. for so long. Uh, we brought him on and he gave some great insight, uh, given his own history with transactions, uh, to give us a perspective on what we could potentially see out of a WWE sale. So let's toss it over to Raj and hear what he had to say. I want to ping you on this because I know you've been very interested in the business ramifications of all of this. I've been following your Twitter account, at the Raj uh pretty closely. And and I know the sales side of things have really interested you. Do you have any thoughts uh, in the days that have since passed on what the direction may be here?
4: Um, I, I mean, it's just everything has been so unpredictable with this. I mean retired what like six months ago and, and he's back so it's just impossible to say where this is going to go obviously you would think it makes all the sense in the world for comcast to purchase wwe especially with the media rights coming up uh you know between smackdown and raw already it's a half a billion dollars plus peacock is another 200 million dollars a year so that's 700 without increases so with increases that would probably cost him about uh, you know close to a billion anyway or um you know, between those three properties, not to, not not to mention NXT, which is a, a small piece of the puzzle. But, um, so yeah, it just makes it just makes all the sense for Comcast to purchase it because the WWE's market cap is six and a half billion dollars right now. But you know, if they if they if they spent seven billion, let's say, on it, um, and they were going to be spending a billion on media rights anyway, you know, you're you're recouping that in seven years. But also you can add other WWE programming and, and do other things. So it just uh, that one just makes all the sense in the world.
3: Raj, you 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 are an entrepreneur and we're gonna learn a lot more about you and and, and I'm gonna learn a lot more about you. But clearly you are you're a very successful entrepreneur, businessman, and you probably have a better perspective perhaps on a potential sale or acquisition than than I do in many respects. But I wanna ask you, you know, you talk about Comcast, is there any other Aside from recouping the investment over the course of seven or eight years, whatever that ends up being, is there any other strategic value in controlling and owning a property like WWE beyond just the potential revenue upside? Well, it has, it has a
4: built-in audience, but um, Eric, I think as you've seen um, – Uh, Over over the years and and when you were running WCW, a lot of times that wrestling audience, you can promote something else to that wrestling audience, but but they won't follow. I always remember that Nitro where the end of the giant Hulk Hogan match went through Robin Hood and that Robin Hood did a gigantic rating. And then it it, it faded away after that. You know, those wrestling fans didn't stick with it. So I just think with sports media rights going up and up and up uh, at some point. You got to think with streaming coming in, it's got to hit a plateau. People have been saying that for decades, but just right. And I think that's why right now it's such a great time to look at a sale because you're starting to see your Warner Brothers discovery really cutting back and and you're starting to see the warning signs of people saying we're paying too much for content. Uh, We're paying too much for media rights. And so it it seems strategically like the perfect time for them to uh, look at a sale. And for a media, you know, a media company like NBC, that's just paying so much for it to finally own the property and then they could spin it off and do reality shows and and you you know one of the things you look at every week and when you talk about how great wrestling is doing on cable you also got to look at the, the competition on cable there's more cable channels than ever but no longer are companies putting their big shows on cable you know yellowstone kind of came before everyone was moving to streaming but all the yellowstone spin-offs 1883 1923 they're all moving to streaming and house of the dragon and you know all these other shows they're all it's streaming is where the focus is at, so cable just keeps getting weaker and weaker and weaker um and so it's cable is basically just fox news football sports and and wrestling right now
3: and again and i'm digging here because i'm I'm venturing into a an area that I don't know a lot about. But I, I read today that Liberty Media may also be um, in, in the hunt, so to speak. But when it comes to negotiating, a, a company like Comcast controls a lot of cable outlets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they probably control more cable, local cable Outlets than just about anybody in the country. Does having this, does having WWE or another extremely popular uh, brand like WWE, having that under your roof, does that give you leverage in negotiating going forward in terms of cable, cable fees? Well, I I would think so. I mean, in in
4: general, Comcast right now, NBCU. you know, uh, with media rights deals already, they have you know the right of refusal. I mean, or, or the right to match an offer if they're if you know if they get another media rights offer for RAW, and um, I, I think it's WWE is such an important part to their their library that um, that they're gonna want to you know, match any offer that's made to the company. Uh, As far as Liberty Media, you know, I saw that CNBC article that lists listed, you know, pretend potential suitors for the company. And it's basically, it's basically any company that can afford it, any media company that can afford it. And you could see like, you know, the advantages that Disney would have by having, you know, WWE under their umbrella. Um, You know, FX averages, you know, 450,000, something like that in prime time. And that's what USA Network averages without WWE programming. So you move WWE to FX, which is owned by Disney now. Uh, all of a sudden, they're beating you're USA. You're number one.
3: You're number
4: yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, you're up there. So it, it makes a big difference to that portfolio, depending on how much they're looking at cable, keeping keeping FX strong. FX is getting the XFL next year, uh, or this year. So. Um,
3: well, that See, I didn't even think about that, man. That's a... That's another kind of good fit. If you're programming a network and you're looking at your audience and going, okay, who's in large, who's, who are our audience? And you're going to take a run at XFL, particularly because of the association with Dwayne Johnson, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, that's a brand coming out of the shoot with, with rock attached to it. And I'm sure he's going to be a big part of the promotion of it. Um, yeah. That also makes it, that makes Fox a lot more interesting mm-hmm. than I thought before we sat down with you. So for that perspective.
2: <laughs> that is going to be a story that we're going to be following for months here on strictly business. Okay. So for years, years, have you been watching any of the Conrad cinematic universe podcasts or listening to them? You know, we've been telling you about manscape and we're typically talking about, you know, what's going on down there and how manscapes helping you take care of all of that. Well, things are changing in the year 2023. The more they stay the same, the more they become different. Because right now, Manscaped is revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh save, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now, you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet. All you gotta do is go to manscaped.com and use that promo code WRESTLEBIZ with a Z for 20% off and free shipping. Now, this was something that was relatively new to me. See, in television news, I was not allowed to have facial hair. But once I got out of the TV news industry, I was like, your boy is going to grow out a beard for the first time in his life. Well, I was a newbie, so I didn't realize how difficult it would be to actually maintain your beard. And I wish that when I started, I had the Beard Hedger Pro Kit because this thing is a juggernaut. Of fixing faces what am i talking about? well this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 positions that's right 20 positions of precision all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons face grooming doesn't need to be hard get 20 different lengths in just one single guard it's also waterproof so you can Shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. And the blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time, just the way that Eric Bischoff himself likes it. And the Pro Kit doesn't even end there. They've created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. I've got a luscious head of hair, so does Eric Bischoff, but on our face, it just hits differently. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why this kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's Beard Oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. Look, I'm in the Northeast. I know that firsthand. It's absolutely sucks so the oil relieves that dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine making you look extra fine and to cap off the kit you got the beard balm that helps you shape style moisturize and even tame your beard for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames, whatever you may choose. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. Have I convinced you, Nat? Well, if not, go to Manscaped.com and use that promo code WRESTLEBIZ to get 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code WRESTLEBIZ. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard. 20 links.
4: and and I used the stuff I was doing with wrestling ink to start other websites and, and other companies. And, you know, tell, have us about that. And,
3: tell us about that. How did you, how did you
4: do that? Yeah. Walk us through that, man. Sure. So um, my first job out of college in 98, I, you know, they, Having Colorado School of Mines, it's a really good engineering school On the resume was great, but they saw the Wrestling ink and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> you built this. And so I was hired immediately. I met a guy who actually is not of Indian descent, but we started a site called IndianDating.com because at the time uh, I was born here and uh, in the U.S. And a lot of uh, the websites out there for uh, Indian singles are, were based around like marriage. And most of the people I knew, you know, they they weren't looking for marriage right off the bat or, you know, looking for it eventually. Uh, and so I was like, ah, this would be a, a great site. You know, they, there wasn't really nothing like it at that time. So we started the site called indiandating.com.
3: And can, can I, add, you, I'm sorry. I know I hate being interrupted and I hate no, interrupting others, but you, such interesting points here. When you, when you and your friends said, okay, let's, come up with an Indian dating site, not necessarily for people that are interested in marriage, but for casual dating. Um, Were you targeting Indians such as yourself, members of the Indian community such as yourself that were really born in the United States, had more of a a US kind of culture that influenced them throughout their lives, um, as opposed to the traditional um, Indian culture who may, may not be comfortable with what
4: we do here in the country? exactly yeah we were targeting um us uk canada and then the, the metro areas of india so um but then also it was open you know we had lots of uh non-indians on the site and
2: uh oh yeah I, I created that graphic look at that wow yeah. it doesn't get much more 90s than that raj look at that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah it's uh whoa that's a blast from the past but yeah yeah that was uh that was a uh, something that you know. Wrestling Inc was started as just a hobby, and this was started as a business, and uh, it took off. And, uh, and how did I you used... leverage one into the other, Raj? So I would actually run ads on wrestling on Wrestling Inc when the site started. So actually, you know, the first thousands or so members, the majority were not of Indian descent. So which was you know great. We started uh, doing a bunch of uh, singles events and stuff where uh, you know a good. Majority were not, but um, yeah, so uh, I kind of used wrestling ink to leverage that into indiandating.com. When I started fightline.com, I used again, I used wrestling ink that you know, MMA and pro wrestling kind of have a very similar audience, and and that really got Fightline to take off. So, uh, but yeah, the, the Indian dating it was a completely different mindset running that than, than wrestling ink, but I don't, I don't know if it would have gotten off the ground without it.
3: Yeah, it's so fascinating because and I'm going to go into the weeds just a little bit here. But if you read any of the biographies about Ted Turner, and there was one in particular, I wish I could re- remember the name of the book, but I think it was maybe one of the first books about Ted Turner. Cause I wrote it while I read it. Well, I said, I wrote it. I read it while I was working for him. And in that book, um, there's a portion of it that describes why Ted Turner was such an advocate for professional wrestling with regard to building his network.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And if you look at the, you know, the TBS programming grid from back in the early days, you know, it's a lot of Andy Mayberry and Beverly Hillbillies and, you know, down to the the, down reach a lot of just old stuff that Ted was able to license for very, very little money, if any, because nobody really saw any value in it back then. Um, But Ted believed firmly that in addition to that, because you have to program, you're going to have 24 hours a day. You've got to program it with something. But Ted believed, according to this book, that wrestling and the wrestling audience in particular was dependable, was consistent, and was a lot larger than most people thought it was. And Ted believed, and yes, he was a wrestling fan, I think, a casual wrestling fan, I guess, if you put him in a box. But Ted saw the opportunity because the wrestling audience was so loyal and so unique that you could build off of that audience mm-hmm. similar to what you guys did you Absolutely. used the wrestling audience to build an entire different business model but it you leveraged that the strength of that audience and your relationship with them to do that and if you take that to the next level of thought that kind of brings me back to the question about Comcast or Liberty media. And yes, it's, I can tell you for certain because I was involved in that Robin hood fiasco and there has been others, by the way, that wasn't the only one. There were other times when, you know, Brad Siegel and TNT really put a lot of thought and effort and time and money behind trying to build a lead in that would be complementary to nitro and a lead out. And almost all of them failed. But, the fact that you've got two or 3 million or in in the course of TNT back then, you got six, seven, eight million viewers every week. That base of audience allows you to promote other, maybe not something that people will watch, but you can promote other things too. And that's what you guys did, man. You and Ted thinking along the same lines. I love that.
4: And, And also the UFC. I mean, where would they be if the ultimate fighter didn't start right after raw and that they had to get Vince McMahon's permission for that. But that first season of Ultimate Fighter, which really kicked off the UFC, uh, that was because it aired right after Raw. That's how I became a fan. I got into the Josh Koscheck, Chris Lieben drama, and, uh, and uh, the rest is history. So UFC own, you know, owes a huge uh, portion of their success to Raw being their lead in early on.
3: Now, that, was that on Spike? Was that on TNN, or was that on USA?
4: Uh, that was on Spike.
3: On Spike, Okay.
2: Cool. I, sorry I, to interrupt you man <laughs> no seriously though raj the the whole indian dating stuff i i i want to know what you learned from that experience and how if you could provide some background info for those who may not be familiar as well how long did you own that what did you learn from running that that helped you to run wrestling inc better so i we we ran
4: so i ran it for 12 years before we sold it to cupid and um Gosh, it was. <laughs> one thing I learned is I, I I had taken too much on in a lot of ways because I'm you know we would do these singles events all around the country, so we'd fly to New York and they would all sell out. So we'd go to New York, do three events, and then that Sunday night's a pay per view. So I'm like, you know, leaving an event and then you know making sure everything on the site is is covering a paper, you know, a, a WWE pay per view or Impact or or whatever it was that night, and uh, it, it was. It was handling a lot, and and it's two different mindsets because Indian dating, it's 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 relationships, and it's it's you know there's a uh, it's subscriptions, whereas Wrestling Inc was all advertising based, and and there were no subscriptions. So, it's putting on different hats and and, and switching them off on and off uh, constantly, but um you just it's two different. Uh, two different, complete different businesses, and I learned things from Indian dating. Like I wish I would have gotten more aggressive. Uh, we, you know, we hit close to a million subscribers, but uh, wow. we we didn't take any investor money. We weren't, uh, you know, we kind of stayed you, just using our own profits uh, to to build a brand and everything, and and it, and it did really well. But I think it could have gotten to the next level if we would have been more aggressive, and I got more aggressive. There, that's the better design. (laughs) And if you look at a later design, um, or maybe an earlier design, but it's actually me and my wife that, uh, the girlfriend at the time that were on there, but, um, yeah, just, just getting more aggressive. Uh, don't just sit on your laurels and and just keep pushing and pushing. And, and with wrestling, once I sold into dating, I was, you know, it was, you know, my, my foot fully on the pedal.
3: So. At some point did you guys were sitting down and, you know, having a cocktail talking about business, maybe over dinner and say, Hey, this Indian dating segment, we we're having a
6: looking for a great mother's day or father's day gift idea. I was, and I found it at paint your life with paint your life. You'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say paint your life transforms your photos into a one of a kind, beautiful hand painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium, you can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details.
3: A lot of success with this. We launched it off a wrestling website.
2: We did get another super chat from Joel that we're going to pull up here and this can kind of launch us into our conversation, Eric. So as we know, after the Stephanie McMahon stuff went down, a whole bunch of chatter started. I started hearing things. A whole bunch of people started hearing things. You started hearing things. And there were then reports that WWE was either in full agreement on or had sold to saudi arabia and joel asked eric i value your opinion more than anybody how likely is it do you think saudi arabia buys wwe now eric i spent all night literally overnight i've been going for 48 hours straight now trying to get comment on this trying to confirm this no one all night long would confirm this they wouldn't deny it because i think genuinely people weren't aware but firmly this morning i was able to speak to someone pretty high up in the wwe pecking order who said at this time any report that a sale is done or agreed upon is completely false. And others have also reported similarly. So Eric, Joel wants to know how likely is it? Do you think Saudi Arabia buys WWE?
3: Yeah, I want to go, I'm going to answer Joe's question, but I want to go back to those stories and where they came from as soon as I do. So let's not forget. Um, How likely is it? I, you know, look, anything's (laughs) anything's possible. If you, if you step back, you know, kind of take a macro, big picture view of things, you know, Vince McMahon and Saudi Arabia have been doing business together for about five years now, right? Six years, whatever. Spent.
2: 2018 was the first Saudi show.
3: Okay. So about five years, going on five years. Uh, a lot of money has passed back and forth during that period of time. And all parties seem to be, for the most part, except for one little glitch, uh, enjoying the relationship because it's continuing. If They weren't enjoying it. It wasn't working out. It wouldn't. So let's. it's a good relationship. Who knows how good of a relationship it is between Vince and, and the Saudi government? We don't know. Um, here's. So it's possible. That's why it's possible. We know that the Saudis are investing in media properties, right? We know what the, what is it? The LIV, is that, is that what it's called?
2: Live Golf. So there's Live a term. Golf. We, we a know term that they've invested a ton of money in that. There's a term, to... term called sports washing. Which is what happens when entities that maybe are controversial or a government like Saudi Arabia, they utilize sports as a way to mediate and do business in a more positive light. And that is generally what people refer to what is happening in Saudi Arabia with the Live Golf Tour and some of the other ventures they've done. And this, if that were to be the case, this would be an example of that.
3: Yeah, well, it would be an extension of 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 the Saudi government using WWE currently under its mm-hmm. current agreement to do that very same thing. But so, is it possible? Of course, it's possible. But here's why I think it's more remote, certainly than we thought last night, because if if WWE here's another before I go there, Live Golf, and the Saudi government can't find a TV deal, nope, because TV company TV networks don't necessarily want to be in business with Saudis. It's a challenge. It's a, it's a controversy and they don't want to do it. So yeah, the Saudis have dumped a ton of money into live golf, but so far, despite having really a cream of the crop roster of professional golfers, they can't get a TV deal. What's that tell you? So that's why I think, is it possible that Saudis could, Maybe not buy the whole thing, maybe invest a portion of whatever it's going to take to buy it um, as a non-active, non-major stakeholder. Yeah, definitely. I, I see them being a player. But I think because of the challenge of television rights, so far at least, I think it's a pretty remote possibility. Because if you look at the WWE, it's currently a $6.6 million dollar market cap company large portion of that is because of the rights fees that it's getting well if you take those rights fees out of the equation for wwe what does that 6.6 valuation look like it changes dramatically that's why i don't think it happens um i could be wrong We don't know
2: so let's dig into the reporting then, because that was an element of this that I know you wanted to discuss and I can speak ad nauseum about, but I'd love to hear your initial reactions to that. Well, I, I mean, I'm,
3: you know, first of all, when I woke up this morning, <clears throat> for the very reasons that I just laid out, I was relieved. And I did, you know, I, I went right to your comments because I could tell that you were up, you know, <laughs> all like doing it. And, uh, and, and again, I was relieved to, to hear that news for the same reasons that I just categorized. But I I want to know who who first leaked this story that the deal was done. I saw some guy named Malenhausen or some shit. You know, I don't know him. By the way, I'm not being critical of him. I just, he's got a complex name, so I can't remember it. But uh,
2: if it wasn't him, who was it? So Cassidy Haynes from Body Slam was the first to report it. And Steve Malhausen, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it after, uh, then reported it. As well, he has since deleted his tweet, Steve Works for Zone and Sporting News. He since deleted his tweet, Cassidy's remains up. Why would they do that? Why, why would they do what? Report the news? Why or? would they report something that isn't true? So my thought process, and again, this is just my thought process here, is... I don't think either of them, especially Cassidy, who was first to report it, who has also, by the way, and this needs to be said, reported very accurate information in the past. He, There's the tweet from Cassidy. For yeah, I don't care what he's done in the past. Uh, Why would he report so, a story that so, isn't true? So what I'm saying is I, I believe he believes that his sources have fed him correct information. I don't believe he is purposely misleading anybody by reporting this. I think he is believes in his source
3: does he believe in him because he wants to because he wants to be the first one
2: out of the gate and get the clicks i don't know I, i i don't know the answer to that that's where i lean
3: because look between conrad and i and i don't know who your contact was and i would never ask and you would never tell me anyway but between conrad and i we can have a conversation and and we all have sources of our own Mm-hmm. um why would this guy have a source that he believes i mean unless you're in the freaking boardroom unless you're asked to vote you don't know and neither does anybody you're talking to unless they're on the board
2: no, and, now, and it if is they're talking to a board
3: member if they're talking to a board member you know i'll 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 apologize live in the middle of times square But unless they're talking to somebody on that board that fricking knows you're just repeating
2: what somebody else may have heard. It's it's entirely possible. I, who are we to say who his sources? We don't, we don't know who his sources. It's entirely possible that he could be talking to a a board member or it might not be as well. Um, I feel like I'm pretty connected with WWE and I couldn't get anybody to confirm this news. I, I no, no,
3: because it. nobody, first of all, yeah. nobody that has any real credibility, forget about friendships. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about somebody that's high enough in the food chain to actually have some insight or something to offer. They're not going to talk. Are you kidding me? They may, you may read into something, not you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people in general that have sources that they think are, you know, credible sources maybe work in wwe um but unless you're talking to somebody
2: on the board you're just spreading rumors Mm -hmm. yeah and and i do want to underscore this too there is a difference between reporting something like this versus reporting on oh so-and-so is going to debut on raw or this person is going to feud with brock lesnar this is one of the biggest stories in the history of wrestling, if not the biggest, it very well may be the biggest. And you got to make sure that you've got this right. And Cassidy has gone on the record and said, Hey, I stand by my sources. Um, so if, if he feels that that's accurate, then, Hey, we'll see. We'll find out. Right. Um, but, Everyone, I just agree. think.
3: Of it, just think about it, from a logistical, from a reality perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you know how long it would take to put that deal correct
2: to to paper and to a point where it would actually come up for a vote? And that's where wording is very important. And I was trying to explain this on social media too. There is a difference, and you know this firsthand from your intentions of purchasing WCW with your investment group. There is a difference between agreeing to a deal and signed, sealed, delivered, this, this deal is finalized. There's a big difference. And a lot can happen in that little difference between those two uh, aspects of a deal being done. And, and I think anyone, Eric, who glosses over that is doing themselves a disservice as well.
3: No, because they're, because they're ignorant, meaning lack of information or knowledge. If you don't have the information and you don't have the knowledge firsthand, you're just guessing, Mm
6: -hmm.
3: you know, and, and, and I think people, I don't know, man, it's just so negative out there, you know, and you know, we're on social media now We're we're, I'm part of it, but I think that just natural tendency to lean in the dungeon of doom. Oh, I hate that. I even said that um it's just it, it, it kind of that's just where the conversation automatically wants yeah. to go to and i'm not suggesting that there's yeah. not some machiavellian slash um <clears throat> aspect to this but man there might not be either
2: yeah yeah and, and i want to i want to make this clear i don't think anyone reported this with the intention of misleading anybody I I don't think there was malice in doing that. But if this is incorrect reporting, which we're going to find out very shortly, if it is or isn't, if we haven't found out already, then it just it requires a really, really, really important step back, take all the information in. And just make sure that we're being responsible in our reporting and not jumping to conclusions. It's easy to jump to conclusions because, Eric, there's a lot of speculation after Stephanie stepped down like this super chat here from Brett. He says, do you think Stephanie stepping down a CEO is connected to a sale to Saudi Arabia or at least positioning the company more favorably since they may not find a female CEO appealing? And I think, Eric, that's why a lot of people were ready to buy right into these Saudi Arabia rumors just on those two inferences alone.
3: No, I, I don't think it had anything to do with a sale to the Saudis. This, I, I believe it was a personal decision. What was be, and, and, and it has nothing to do with Saudis, right? Uh, whether she however she felt about the potential of that transaction. There's something else to it. There's something emotional about her decision, and I, I'm going to take what she said at face value because it makes sense to me based on her previous decision to resign come back because her father was forced out. Now that her father's back, she's no longer needed to be in that position to watch over her father or watch her father's back because he's back and he can watch his own back. So I'm going to take it at face value and say, no, it had nothing to do with who's whoever is going to buy it. And I'm I'm going to choose to believe that it had everything to do with Stephanie's original statement. Meeting. She wanted to get back to her family and she felt she didn't need to be there to protect her father's interest any longer.
2: And again, guys, if you want to leave a super chat, you can, we appreciate your patronage and we will ensure that we read your comment on air. If you just want to leave a comment, go ahead. You just got to be subscribed to 83 weeks on YouTube. There there are other super chats that we're going to get to, but I want to make sure we get into every aspect of the Saudi conversation just as is again, guys, currently, as things stand at this moment of time, I've been told there's no deal in place, there's no agreement in place with Saudi Arabia. Others have corroborated such. Um, I'm just trying to think, Eric, is there anything else on the Saudi aspect of this conversation that you'd like to put out there before we move into other elements of a potential sale?
6: Nope, I think we covered it. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! The five star reviews are in and it's confirmed SaveWithConrad.com can save you thousands. Jimmy E. writes that we saved his family more than a $1,000 a month. James S. says we saved his family more than $1,200 a month. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. But if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, or even worse, if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, but a matter of how much. At SaveWith.
2: So if you've been watching WWE programming, you know that the Bloodline story has captured everyone's attention. And it's not just intriguing, it's actually delivering tangibly. This past week's SmackDown delivered some of the highest show and ratings that we've seen in terms of viewership in a long time on SmackDown. An actual increase in the final hour because people wanted to see what would happen between Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. And just last week, we brought on a connoisseur of storytelling. Tom DeShane's a professional storyteller and historian in his own right. And we wanted to talk to Tom about what makes this bloodline story so special. And believe me, this was insight you're not going to get from anyone else.
3: One of the things I want to really zero in on before we get too far into the story, because you, you covered some really interesting points that sometimes I think when wrestling fans hear long-term storytelling to them, that means you shoot an angle in January, it kind of floats around. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's, it's active. And then there's some kind of a blow off months down the road. And that, you know, oftentimes with wrestling fans, at least that I get social media responses from Well, that's a long-term story. What you just described in the attributes that you assigned to the most recent long-term story in WWE, that being the bloodline, is some really critical elements along the way. You know, compelling characters. I think we can all pretty much agree what a compelling character is. It's subjective, obviously, but there's other elements that aren't. You know, the one thing that you said was logical, progressive episodic i think you said it in one sentence storylines and to me that implies a lot more structure and discipline than throwing things up against the wall and just maintaining a story talk about the elements if you can yeah if i'm clear that go into the progression of a storyline into an arc
5: yeah. Well, let's go all the way thousands of years ago to uh, Aristotle and his poetics. For folks who uh, you know, subscribe to ad-free shows, Eric's been uh, kind enough to have me on to break down some other storylines in the past. And recently, my tag team partner, Dominic D'Angelo, and I, we have uh, some monthly specials that we upload to ad-free shows where we do deep dives. It's called In-Depth. And you can hear us go on for three to four hours breaking down step-by-step the storylines of the mega powers, which in my mind is still the number one greatest uh, uh, story of all time in pro wrestling. But we also break down the NWO storyline. We break down classic sibling sibling rivalries in pro wrestling. Uh, Lots of great breakdowns there. And one of the things that I keep going back to is this isn't anything new. I mean, Aristotle discovered this all the way back in ancient Greece when he sort of laid out the first work of, of of literary criticism trying to explain to not only audience members but also to aspiring playwrights and poets what goes into making a good story and there were some key tenets that he put in there you know the fact that the poet or author should strive to create fictive works that are in, uh, that are mimetic okay that means imitative of real life and i think that's one of the things that certainly resonated with this bloodline storyline i think we've all been bullied some of us may have been the bullies in the past, and that storyline that it's a super simple one that's been told with Roman, with his family members, the sort of mental manipulation that's going on, the feelings from Jay Uso that maybe he's, uh, you know, not the man he once thought he was, you know, being, uh, being really sort of stripped down of all of his morals and his beliefs and everything, uh, you know, some really, really compelling storylines there that are very uh, mimetic, and even Sammy's role, Sammy trying to get the attention of the head of the table sammy the guy who was just in the jackass match at wrestlemania uh, 38 and was sort of the laughing stock of the industry sort of a mid card to lower card sort of talent at the time trying to get in with the head of the table you know we've all been in those situations where we've tried to hitch our star uh, or wagon to a to a star and so th- just some of those really simple elements are mimetic but also Aristotle said, you know, you have to have stories that have dramatic, uh, you know, sort of logical parapetia, okay, and peripatia are simply twists and turns, ups and downs, reversals of fate within a story, or as we in pro wrestling would call them, swerves. And I think that's been one of the most uh, sort of rewarding things about this storyline that we've been getting All the way back since the summer of 2020. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But when we talk about long term storytelling, it is now January of 2023. The story is just getting better and better week after week. And yet, this is something that started almost two and a half years ago now, which is just crazy. But the most important element, according to Aristotle, was that a story must progress in a consistent and unified way. And what's fascinating is when we go all the way back to the summer of 2020. And follow this story through. the same characters have been in it throughout, you know, whether it's Kevin Owens, whether it's the you know the the bloodline and the Usos and you know uh, 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 Paul Heyman, whether it's Sami Zayn. And what's fascinating is they've been brushing up against one another over these last several years and now getting to this incredible point where all the pieces are on the chessboard just in the right place to make this story as compelling as possible and to get us all at the uh, edges of our seats but we wouldn't be on the edges of our seats if this story hadn't been told logically, episodically, uh, and making sense from episode to episode, week over week, month over month, year over year. And Again, just that element alone is something that I've certainly missed uh, in uh, uh, in uh, modern professional wrestling. That's something that I don't think we've seen very logical booking, especially from the WWE, for many, many years. So All you got to do is follow Aristotle's poetics, follow those check marks, and you will write a compelling story. And that's what we're seeing being delivered every week on WWE programming when it relates to the bloodline.
2: Now, if you're listening to Strictly Business right now, as it drops, you know we are just days away from the big game, and Jimmy's famous Seafood wants to hook you up. Now, I know not all of us can be in Baltimore, Maryland. It's understandable. But thankfully jimmy'sfamousseafood.com is shipping nationwide. And if you use the promo code WrestleBiz, you'll get free two-day nationwide shipping on most orders over $125. Again, that's jimmy'sfamousseafood.com. Now, what am I talking about? Well, you know, traditionally, when you think about a Super Bowl tailgate, maybe you're thinking of a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, crab cake mix. Well, you could get that, with Jimmy's Famous Seafood Signature Tailgate Bundle, they got the wings there as well. Two pounds of them, as a matter of fact. But They've also got the Maryland Crab Cakes, the soups, the chowders, the oysters, the signature steaks, desserts, gluten-free items, and much, much more. You can customize your packages that you purchase from Jimmy's famous Seafood.com to give you whatever you want, whenever you want. And again, you can get free two-day nationwide shipping on most orders over $125 by just using promo code WrestleBiz. This is a company that's been in business for more than four decades. They've been endorsed and featured by the likes of Guy Fieri, Bobby Flay. If those guys are lending their names to Jimmy's famous seafood, well then, I can tell you Eric Bischoff is confidently going to do the same. That's Jimmy's jimmysfamousseafood.com. Use promo code WRESTLEBIZ to get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. Just use that promo code WRESTLEBIZ. That's jimmysfamousseafood.com. Tom was absolutely exceptional. He is a guest that we've had before on Strictly Business, and I promise you, you will be seeing him again. That will not be the first time. So thank you again to Tom Deshaines for hopping on Strictly Business with Eric just last week. And the final thing that I want to throw a little look back on is our conversation with Fightful's Sean Ross Sapp. I thought this was one of the most insightful episodes of Strictly Business that we have had to date more than an hour talking about the industry of wrestling media and specifically the importance of Media literacy now that may be a term that some of you aren't all that familiar with well, thankfully, in our conversation with Sean Rossat, we took a deep dive on that as he explained why that is so critical in consuming wrestling news. In your opinion, what is media literacy? Break that down for our audience. What does that mean, and why is that important in building a
0: business model like what Fightful has? It is the ability to Decipher and determine uh, news that is disseminated to you, and, and where it came from. To to analyze and look at a story, especially firsthand, and say, okay, this is trustworthy or not trustworthy. Um, I I think that aggregation is absolutely necessary. I made my living, albeit a very very small one, with aggregation, but it was with responsible aggregation because I had the the benefit of working for wrestling Inc, the biggest wrestling website in the world and doing that aggregation. And I would see how people would respond to their news that they broke being reported secondhand. Mm -hmm. And it's the ability to determine, okay, is this secondhand accounting reliable or do I need to go straight to the source? Do I need to go to fightfulselect.com and plop down my five bucks? Or is this wrestling Inc wrestling headlines, 411 mania, and now it's just like Twitter accounts that post like 140 characters in a picture type of thing. Right. Like there there are so many different elements of media literacy and, and as media expands, I feel like that literacy needs to expand too. I really wish it was taught in high school because I think it's very, very important to not formulate opinions, views that, that sometimes last, last a lifetime with people based on 280 characters and, and a, a flashy photo
2: sure eric did you ever have that on the other side of the equation in that perspective where maybe you thought somebody reported something and then found out that it wasn't actually them oh
3: fuck yeah all the time because and the first thing i do when i see something i don't like is react right because i'm a i'm I'm kind of a caveman that way um and then there's been times and i i think it may even sean may have corrected me once or twice in the last year or so where I'll I'll fire some because I like to fuck with Sean. He's fun. He's got you know he 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 comes right back and I love that because it's you know hey I'm sitting around my house. It's me and my dog watching the snow. I like to be entertained. <laughs> but there have been seriously there have been times that I've done that and I felt stupid as a result because it is stupid. You call it illiteracy. I call it stupidity. Same thing, <laughs> you know. But I think I think media literacy. A lot of it has to do, yes, it has to do with the consumer, clearly. And the way the consumer's conditioned, because, again, it's wrestling. You're checking in. It's on your Twitter. Uh, It's not like, you know, not like you're checking in on the stock market to see how bad your cryptocurrency is getting battered. (laughs) You know, this is just entertainment. And I think people have become accustomed to, unfortunately, over the years, of not taking their sources of information seriously, but assuming it's all, you know, been done in a journalistic way. And I and I and I don't mean to get you in between, you know, get you in the middle of me and Melzer, but I think a lot of it has to do with the illiteracy of some of the people that produce news, including Dave Meltzer. You can't expect the consumer to be literate if the editor and the publisher is illiterate and doesn't follow any journalistic standards. And I think it's happening because of you, Sean, and and because of others. Again, you know, Way Keller probably among them as of the last couple of years, and certainly Dave Shearer, Mike Johnson, and many others, the team over at Wrestling Inc., for example, and, and WrestleZone. There's a lot of good people doing good work, but there's still some, some people that are doing it the same way they've always done it, and it's not with a lot of literacy or grammar or integrity, for that matter. Just my opinion.
0: I think it's important in in what I do to not – Especially On the news report itself, I, there's never opinion-based stuff in there unless it's the opinion of a source I'm reaching out to. And then I try to balance that. But there's my opinion is never in a story. Now, if I'm live on the air or something and somebody says, what's your opinion on this, I'll share it. But I feel like at this point, because of especially those engagement accounts on Twitter that will take anything you say and report it as if you were saying it as fact. You have to preface it was with, with "This is my opinion." It's not a report type of thing, and I hate that that's necessary on like your own streams, your own social media, because it should be assumed in a lot of that stuff. But also, I am in a unique position where I report objective news about a subjective form of entertainment, mm-hmm. and there are opinions applied to all those things. That's so. really
3: that that that's a really smart statement you just made. Most people just launch a site and kind of figure it out as they go, or a business for that matter. Yeah, any business you kind of started in, you, you looked at where the needs were and worked backwards. And I, that's, I, I think it's brilliant, brother. I, I think you deserve a lot of credit for approaching this business that way, because you may have been one of the first ones in your, your world, your, your genre to kind of reverse engineer the process and catapult yourself to the front of the line in the process. I love that story.
0: And there's a lot of trial and error and stuff like that. And I mentioned the snakes and sparklers thing, but sometimes you do have to trust your own instinct to to that that note and realize that if you find something, like if I, as somebody who tries to find things out for a living, find something interesting, somebody else probably will as well. And the main thing that I looked at when I would click on a wrestling news website, the thing that I wanted was, okay, I want to know more. I want to learn more. I want to find out things that – One, maybe I'm not supposed to find out, and two, that I didn't know before. And uh, fortunately, like I I had somebody that trusted my vision and and was like, yep, let's go do this. Uh, Sean, I I want to,
2: before we get into talking about the business model of Fightful, because Eric, as we talk about that, I think you're going to be blown away by how Fightful is able to monetize in the ways that it does. But you keep harping back to that term media literacy. Mm-hmm. And it's something that Eric and I talked about months ago on this podcast when it was just behind the ad-free shows paywall.
3: And By the way, speaking of smart, we often say here, Sean, that we live to enlighten both on the 83 weeks podcast and clearly strictly business. That's what this podcast is all about. We all want to learn something and walk away at the end of an episode, knowing something more about the business of the wrestling business, as we are in this case, than we do knew before we sat down and part of that thanks to our producer steve kaufman because you mentioned a japanese term early on and you weren't sure of the pronunciation thanks again to steve our producer it's ikigai which is a reason for being so there you go
2: let's get back to you here sean i think that one of the reasons you have found so much success with that business model is because you have become one of the true elite voices in breaking news in professional wrestling that process is so fast as as a journalist as someone who has broken hundreds of stories across different forms of media in my career i find everyone's process to be so interesting we heard from mike johnson's process last week i would love to know what makes your process so efficient for you to be able to break stories left and right
0: i am willing to tell somebody to get absolutely fucked if i think they're full of shit um I can't count how many people have come to me and they're like, Oh, I've got this news tip. I've got this news tip. And they might be writing, they might be in news and you're so desperate to get that first news tip or that, that piece of news that you're willing to almost believe anything and, and get whatever it takes to, to make that a story. And to me, it was always slow and steady, slow and steady, because when you do it slow and steady for, for long enough, well, then your your consistency and accuracy and credibility get to the point to where people are just going to come to you and trust you and the, the level of, of sources that you cultivate and develop will be much higher. Like, um, that that was the biggest thing for me. I was willing to pass on so many things. And an unfortunate part about this job is that I have to ask a lot of very important people very stupid questions because I'm not allowed to assume. Like, I I remember... Even one time I asked um, a, a WWE exec and they're like, you know, the answer to this. I'm like, yes, I do know the answer to this in my heart of hearts, but I'm not allowed to assume the answer of this. I'm not allowed to do that. You have to tell me, you have to confirm it. You have to deny it. And in wrestling, especially that can be, that can be hard. Like for example, when the MJF craziness was going on, if he even told me something, I didn't feel comfortable running it he's MJF. I had to second source his own words with somebody because I was like, well this this ain't gonna happen like this. I'm not gonna go out like that type of thing. And ultimately, every day I'm talking to the best liars in the world and I mean that as a compliment because these people go out and they make you think they're hurt when they're not and make you think they're not hurt when they are hurt and they can barely walk into the arena. So you have to really navigate that in a very special way that you wouldn't in other other ways. Like sports I, like I have a lot of sports writers and, and journalists that are interested in wrestling and will kind of like trade scoops type of thing. Like I want to know about football, they want to know about wrestling. We just share what we know type of thing. And they're like, man, I don't ever have to deal with somebody trying to work me like that. That is the unique aspect of wrestling that you don't get elsewhere and that I had to sort of navigate. And fortunately, I've I've been pretty good at that.
2: You've been damn good at that. What is the indicator that I am okay reporting this? Like for me personally, if I was breaking news, I always like to try to have two independent sources at minimum before I ran something. What is, because a lot of fans and readers and viewers don't quite understand what makes someone comfortable with going ahead and reporting a
0: significant piece of news. So I would love to know what that baseline is for you. There are very, very rare instances where I will do anything that that doesn't require double sourcing. If somebody wants to put their name on it, on the record, like if uh, we'll just throw out a name and we'll say Eric Bischoff. If Eric Bischoff wants to tell me Eric Bischoff is starting up a new wrestling company with Conrad Thompson, well, I can run that and say, well, Eric Bischoff tells Fightful Select. I don't really, I'm going to hit up Conrad, obviously, and I'm going to say, Hey, Conrad, what's up with this? Can I, can I gain some more details? Especially if it's anonymous sourced, it's, to, it's at minimum two, but I'm usually, like for the Cody thing, I'm exhausting my sources. I'm hitting up every single person that would possibly have any information about that uh, and, and exhausting those sources, and they don't have to tell me anything. The way I always say it is nobody owes me information. I owe our readers information. So like these people know that they don't have to get back to me. No sweat, no big deal, but I'm going to hit them up. I'm going to try. They can tell me to buzz off. They can not answer. They can answer, but you have to try more than you not even try. You have to get the information from more than one place to feel comfortable doing it. And sometimes it's just about getting that tip. Sometimes just me finding out, like, for example, Goldberg came back a couple different times. And I found out and I asked uh, a WWE rep and they're like, "Yeah, you got us. And I don't think they were that hurt about that information being out there after that, because then they could promote that Goldberg was going to be on raw or something like that where, where they weren't going to otherwise. So it, it also, it really varies from situation to situation.
3: Goldberg is like the kiss farewell tour that started in 1998. <laughs> yes. You know, and first of all, if someone keeps coming back, I beg, it begs the question, did they ever leave in the first
2: place? Yeah a good point (laughs) yeah that's it's very responsible sean that that method of how you go about doing it and i can attest i've seen your process firsthand it is tried and true and i think your reputation speaks for itself hey guys tony
3: shivani need to call a timeout real
2: quick wanted to tell your listeners
3: what i've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com
5: the road to Wrestlemania has begun, and in this ad-free show's exclusive, Tony and JR sit down to call the action from some of Wrestlemania's biggest matches, including the end of The Undertaker's streak.
6: Hard inning war, I thought that, that Taker kicked out. I was wrong. And maybe that's because of my prejudice
3: that I wanted to see Taker win. That, I, I would have liked to see 22-0 as well. But this is a historic moment. It really is, in not only in
5: WrestleMania history, but in all of pro wrestling, if you think about it. What does everybody want? How about a sit-down exclusive with Al Snow, who discusses a wide range of topics, including his dear friend, Jim Cornette.
3: Jimmy knows and understands his gimmick. Uh, mm-hmm. And he knows and understands what draws for him. And like any good worker, uh, Jimmy's going to capitalize on it. You know, and, and a lot of what you see is not Jim Cornette. It's it's an aspect of Jim Cornette. And it's just an aspect that Jimmy's turned the volume up on apparently as the years went on a lot.
5: You know? <laughs> Ad free show members recently sat shotgun alongside Kevin Nash for a live watch along of his WWE Championship match against Shawn Michaels at In Your House Seven. Catch the event now on demand.
3: God. Oh, God.
5: <laughs> Boy, Dude,
3: a year of a year of brutal matches was too much for the big man, for, too much for the big man's shoulders as he reached in, he reached those continually reached those shoulders into his pockets and came out empty from the amount of money that was paid him. That's just wow. a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself My Ad Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at
6: adfreeshows.com.
2: Thank you again to Sean Ross Sapp. That was one of my favorite episodes we've done here. If you haven't checked that out, go into the archives, 83weeks.com, or wherever you get your podcast, because 83 Weeks podcast feed upload Strictly Business every single week. We try to get it to you every single Thursday if we can. Again, this week, we had some technical difficulties on Eric's end, unfortunately, but I promise you, we will deliver that content every single week. Next week's episode is going to be great. We're going to talk about structuring wrestling programming and what makes a good show from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Eric has a ton of insight to offer on that. We live to enlighten, as he always says, so make sure you're checking that out. Subscribe 83weeks.com or wherever you get your podcast, just search 83 Weeks, and check out 83 Weeks as well, as that drops every single Monday with Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson. It also goes a long way, my friends, if you leave that five-star review for Eric and I. Tell them specifically why you love Strictly Business and why it's one of the most unique podcasts in all of the pro wrestling space. I love doing this show with Eric every single week. I cannot wait for next week's episode. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, subscribe on YouTube 83 weeks, and we will see you next time right here on Strictly Business.
5: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys.
0: They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Tylus and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you fifteen to twenty? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys.
5: The podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.